Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello! Hello! And today is a spooky topic. We are going to be talking about the Jerome Grand Hotel in Jerome, Arizona. I'm excited. I am too. I don't remember how we came across this topic. It might have been on one of our Instagram polls or when we were just Googling haunted shit, but it's a haunted hotel. So very excited to be talking about this today. I definitely think it was a mixture of those two. Like, I definitely think someone may have suggested it and we were like, what is this? Yeah, I think it just said, I think they had just said Jerome. So it just said Jerome on our list. And we're like, what is that? So then we Googled it and found it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be a good episode. I'm going to bring you guys the history and background of not only the hotel, but the town itself. And then Jessica is going to chat with us about the spooky paranormal side of things. So definitely excited. Mm-hmm. But as usual, before we jump in, we wanted to say hello and welcome if you are new here. If you're a regular spookster, welcome back. If you would like to hang out with us on social medias, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. And we also have our amazing Facebook group, Three Spooked Girls Official. And over there, we just kind of chat everything dogs, babies mugs, spooky, and true crime things too, of course. And we also are having watch parties now bi-monthly. The last one will have just happened last Friday when you're hearing this, but our next one is the week of Jessica's birthday. So we're going to be celebrating a little belated her B-Day and having some fun. So come hang out with us over there if you want. Uh, All the links as well, if you would like to go the easier route, is in our link tree that is in our show notes below. And speaking of getting a hold of us, we also have a P.O. box. If you guys would like to write us, send us a card, anything like that, you can check the show notes and that'll tell you the mailing info. If you're an avid Instagram user, such as both Jessica and I, you can head to our highlights and all of that info is there as well. And if you would like to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash three spooked girls, or you can head to that link tree as well. For as little as a dollar, you can get a bonus episode each and every month from us for April. We actually did a two-parter that was video for all tiers. Normally that's five and up. It was my birthday month and we had so much fun filming or recording it and planning the recording. We wanted to film it and share that with everybody. You might have seen some of the pictures on Instagram or Facebook. It was gold. It was gold. (laughs) It was. Also, 
While you're in our link tree, if you're clicking there, you'll see a new little button there. Jessica and I are now FabFitFun partners because, as some of you may know, we are also all about the treat yourself and self-care teams. Yes. So if that is something that interests you, definitely check it out. I posted my box I got for the springtime. We're, I believe, getting close, if not already, into the summer box, which has a lot of cool stuff coming Mm -hmm. out. So check that out. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, if you're in the Facebook group and stuff, you might have already seen... I have some starter boxes to give away for free, and I should in this time have already done at least one or two, and I may do, depending on the expiration date on that, do another one. If not, I will make sure to try to do it every season if I get more. But yeah, definitely check that out if that's your thing. But Jessica, what did you choose for our drink this week? So I couldn't find anything particularly to the Jerome Grand Hotel. But when I typed in Grand Cocktail, it's a lot of like Grand Marnier stuff. And I was like, meh, skipping. (laughs) Um, But I came across a Grand Champagne Cocktail. It has strawberries Mm. and orange liqueur. Definitely check it out tomorrow on the socials. Yes, yes, yes. That'll be up for you there. Or you can head to our Pinterest now if you would like to see what that's all about truth but we are going to take a quick promo break and we will be right back you're a promo break your mom's a promo break (laughs) (laughs) hello everyone let me tell you about the apple for the teacher podcast i'm anna thomas a teacher and your host so you're probably thinking it's about reading writing and arithmetic right well think again It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. I will share with you the tragic and shocking stories I have uncovered in my own profession. You will hear stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present The Bad Apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. I do have one more thing I need to mention before we start because it's so like it's not a normal thing. It's important to our lives. It is important. Okay. So earlier today in our time, Jessica sent me this picture of this children's book. It is called Two Weirdos and a Ghost, and it's by Patricia Windsor. When you read the description, it's about like two best friends and spooky shit and a ghost and all this stuff. And Jessica's like, oh, my God, this is us. And she sends it to me. And oh, my God, it is her and I. It's so great. It's so great. It's so perfect. <laughs> So, yeah, two weirdos and a ghost, Patricia Windsor. The reason I am bringing this up, if anybody can somehow find us two copies of this, because I tried to look on the interwebs and it was a little hard. We would obviously prefer the cute one with like the actual cover, you know, with the little kit, like the two girls and stuff on it or kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. We ain't very picky because I realized this was kind of a hard book to find. So we will take whatever. Yeah. I think it's one of those like school, you know, like how there are school books. Yeah. You think it was something like that? Books that you would never be able to find. I don't know. Like there was probably like a lesson plan alongside it. Mm-hmm. Tell me what weirdo number one was feeling to- in today's <laughs> reading. 
Right. Okay. So reason we bring it also sidebar. It's a little series I because I saw other books by the same person. But that one, that is the one we're worried about. Okay. If somebody can find it or wants to be nice and get them for us, because if you can find it, it's like six dollars. We will do a trade in a trade for two copies of this book. We will send you a mug of your choice from our merch store. Mm-hmm. So let us know. And I will make it like if this takes a while and we have our like new stuff that we're working on, because mm-hmm. sidebar Tara and I are like coming up with new cool themed ideas that are going to happen for like limited time. Yeah. You were like, I really loved that one design. I'll freaking make it for you. Yes. Yes. We will definitely send you something in return. So if you can find this book, please definitely let us know. Um, <laughs> I will stick the link to this to what link with like the synopsis and what it looks like in the show notes. And I'll probably post it on socials to be like this book, if you know what I'm talking about. So there you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But enough about that. I just wanted to mention that before I forgot. So like I mentioned before the promo break, we are going to be talking about the Jerome Grand Hotel and I am kicking us off. So before I get into the actual hotel that we're going to talk about, I want to talk about the town of Jerome itself. Learning about this definitely sets us up for the discussion on the hotel and how it became what it is now. And then also helps by giving you some backstory for some of the spooky things that Jessica's going to talk about a little later. So Jerome, Arizona is located on Cleopatra Hill. This is about 100 miles from Phoenix, Arizona, according to Google Maps as well. It is 35-ish miles from Prescott, Arizona. And we're going to kick it way back in the late 1800s. We're all good ghost stories start. Right. So originally, there were members of the Yavapai and Apache tribes living in this area. I'm sure you can guess what happened. White people were super nice to them and they lived peacefully and happily ever after. (laughs) Am I wrong? I'm always wrong. Mm. The white people did their fucking thing and were assholes and forced them off their land. And at first, they were set up at a reservation. But of course, they did their bullshit again. And they forced them out of their homes and moved them over to San Carlos Reservation in 1875, which, by the way, was 180 miles away from where they were at. Oh, my God. That's like a completely different climate. Mm -hmm. White people were such assholes. I'm just saying, historically, it doesn't look good for us. Yeah, it's not a good look. Y'all stop. Thank you. It's like every time I read stories about like what our ancestors did, I'm like, your guys are just dicks. I'm nice to people and you're all assholes. It's not hard to be nice to people. Right. So these assholes, I mean, settlers, they were wanting this area because of mining opportunities. And fun fact, there was an army post about 15 miles away from here called Camp Verde. And later, the army people would kind of help with construction of the wagon roads and whatnot. So, you know, random fact for you. I'm full of them. Yay. So in 1876, miners discovered that Cleopatra Hill, where the town of Jerome is at, was filled with high-grade copper ore. Now, they weren't the first to discover this, actually, because back in the 1500s, there had been men from Spain who came to check out this area, and they had the same discovery. But they didn't bother because their mission at the time was to look for gold and silver, so they just left. And also interesting to note, this area was originally part of New Mexico during this time, not the state. It was under Spain's control type of situation and then became a part of Mexico in 1821 when it was released from Spain. 
Got it. After this, it became a territory of the United States during the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848, which some of you guys may know that was the treaty used to conclude the Mexican-American War. And then finally, Arizona became an actual state of the U.S. in 1912. So some little history for you there. But back up to the 1800s. Here we go. So the town was named after Eugene Jerome. He was a very wealthy investor from New York City. He had actually went back and forth with his wife to convince her to let him invest in the town and in the company that would go in there. But he actually never went there. Okay, that makes sense. What else is interesting about that is he was also the officer of the United Verde Copper Company, which was the big mining company in the fucking town. Oh, so that's not incestual at all. Right? But a little cool sidebar about him was that he had a cousin named Jenny Jerome, who may or may not sound familiar to some people, depending on their knowledge. But she was the mother of Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. You go, Glenn Coco. Right. The United Verde Copper Company began their operations in 1883. As I mentioned earlier, this area had tons of copper ore, so the company became very lucrative. They were making insane profits. So per day, they were earning between $1,500 to $2,000 each day. Hmm. So quite a bit. Yeah. In today's money, that would roughly be, now your mind's going to get blown, between $38,300 and over $51,000. A day. Per day. Per day. Damn. Can I have that money, please? Thank you. Let me have that. Let me have that. Mm-hmm. And it's reported that they produced over $1 billion in copper, silver, and gold over the next 70 years, which, again, in today's money, would be over $25.5 billion. Wow. Yeah. Hella money. And, of course, because of the booming business, the town began to grow as these things go. They added in a schoolhouse, a post office, four saloons, and a public library from 1884 to 1889. United Verde employed over 300 men by 1890, which included miners, smelter workers, and teamsters. And the town also had electrical lighting installed this year as well. Oh, nice. It's fancy town. Right? But sadly, the town would go through four very damaging fires between 1894 to 1899. And during all of these fires, multiple saloons, public buildings in the downtown area and such, a boarding house and restaurant would all be destroyed. They actually said that these fires almost completely destroyed all of Jerome. But in 1899, Jerome was incorporated as an actual town, which meant they could collect taxes. And in doing so, they could use these funds to help build their firefighting efforts. So, you know, actually get those resources in so this wouldn't happen again. And then also rebuild the town and all of the buildings that were destroyed. Got it. I feel like this town and Atlanta are having like a race to see how many times it could burn down. Right. Jeez, terrible. So they had a church built. They had downtown restored. At this point, they also had a telephone service inserted and then took care of the electrical lighting that they had had previously. And this was all taken care of by about 1900. So within a year. So, you know, a year after these fires were done, they were able to get everything built back up. And even with all of this kind of bad juju going on, the town did still continue to grow. To put it in perspective for you, the population in 1890 was 250 people. And by 1900, so 10 years later, it was 2,500. So they grew quite a bit. Yeah, they got a little boom. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, into the 1900s, Jerome earned a nickname that, that was given to them by the San Francisco Examiner as, quote, the wickedest town in America. And the Phoenix newspaper was also in agreement on this as they described Jerome to have, quote, one beggarly looking church and at least 16 saloons and more going up, end quote. And as expected, just because, you know, the mining company, the population here was 78% male. A lot of dudes. This is like turning into like paint my wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the town was also known for alcohol, of course, because of all the saloons, gambling and prostitution. So they definitely earned their title there for sure. But we're going to jump a bit ahead in time. Like, there's also a ton of history. Let me just say that. There's more details into it. If you guys are interested, go check out the sources page. There's all kinds of cool articles you can read up if the mining era is interesting to you. But we're going to talk about this building now that we now know as the Jerome Grand Hotel. Of course, like most old buildings, they don't always start out as what they are now. So originally, the hotel was the United Verde Hospital, and this was built in 1926 and opened in January of 1927. During construction, they chose the location it is at because of the stability of the ground. This area had a lot of landslides, of course, due to the steep slopes of the mountain. So obviously, when building a hospital, you want to pick the safest place you fucking can. Truth. And I was reading a little bit on the landslides and they were saying they were so bad that tons of buildings had shifted and had foundation damage and things like that. And the jail, this blew my mind. They said the jail actually shifted from its original location across the street and is now 225 feet away from where it first started. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's scary. I mean, buildings have been moved in weirder ways. I mean, landslides make sense. I mean. My great-grandfather drove a shed across town when he moved on top of his car. <laughs> Legit story. Oh, my God. It's in Coffeyville, Kansas. That's funny. Oh, my God. Famous family. <laughs> Famous family. Moved a fucking shed on his car. <laughs> so, according to some sources, this was Jerome's fourth hospital, but then a couple other were kind of contradictory and saying this was the only one But I think kind of what they were getting at, this was the one that was probably most used and lasted the longest because it was a state-of-the-art facility. It was very bougie. Mm -hmm. In 1930, it was actually listed as the most modern and well-equipped hospital in Arizona and possibly the whole western U.S., which is pretty impressive for this tiny town. They had laboratory-like labs. They had x-ray available. They had different wards for men, women, and children. It also included the Otis Elevator, which was Arizona's first self-service elevator, and a cased iron boiler as well, which provides low-pressure steam throughout the building. The boiler was designed to not only be portable, but also convertible and could operate on wood, coal, or oil. So that's good. You could use, you know, different resources in case there was a shortage on one. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Now, in the hospital, it is said that approximately 9,000 deaths occurred here, averaging about one a day. So that's scary. Of course, they treated minors who were injured or became sick on the job. And also during this time, uh, TB was a big issue. So they saw patients for that as well. So in 1935, United Verde was purchased by Phelps Dodge, which included the mining company and also the hospital. This was right after the Great Depression. So things didn't make the most positive turn for him as far as business goes. He would decide to shut down the mining company by 1953. So because that was closing, 
the need for the hospital would start to decline. So that actually got closed three years early in 1950. United Verde was a huge reason, like I had already talked about, that many people were there because, you know, jobs and whatnot. So when this closed, when both of these things closed, two things that provided tons of jobs, it was no surprise that the town started to kind of drop off as well. A lot of people dipped out, like most people. The population actually dropped down to roughly about 50 people. Is that a town? It's like mineral. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like 90 people. And we were like, oh, yeah, people live in Mineral. And you're like, I'm like oh, God. <laughs> now, of course, with shutting things down, they did want to tear down certain buildings, such as the hospital. But the Jerome Historical Society wanted to swoop in and they were like, no way. We want to keep this up. You know, like, let's deal with this. You know, so Phelps says, OK, and they don't tear it down. Now, the Historical Society decided to try to find a way to get people back in, you know. So they decided to go the tourist route and market that Jerome was the world's largest ghost city. And they also opened up a mining museum and a gift shop there on Main Street in the 50s. Then over the next decade, the town did become repopulated. People started coming. They started getting more traffic, things like that. Of course, nowhere near the growth it was when the mining company was there, but they did build back up somewhat. And then I got curious as far as what like current population is type of thing. And as of 2019, there is 444 people. Figure a little bit, you know. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So from when the hospital shut down, it actually stayed vacant for the next 44 years. Just commercially vacant, I guess I should say. So during this time, Phelps kept it fully furnished for the first 20 or so years of the vacancy, even though he knew it would never most likely be used as a hospital again. And he would also either lease the buildings to families to live in, or he would hire in a live-in caretaker. He mainly did this just because he knew that the presence of people in this giant building would help keep the shitheads away from, you know, vandalizing it. Sound logic. Right, exactly. It really doesn't seem that weird. But this would change in 1982 when a caretaker actually committed suicide in the building. After this, the hospital building had no other residents live in there and was also boarded up. To keep watch over it, they had the local police, you know, do rounds on it. And then also Phelps still had a small staff that would take turns as well checking up on it. But of course, you know, shitheads are going to find a window of opportunity and some vandalism did occur. And this at this point, it kind of ended up being the final like straw, final turning point for Phelps because he decided that with everything going on and all this whole like everything's his, he'd be at liability for shit happening and things like that. He was like, okay, you know what? I need to wash my hands of this. He wanted to sell it. And in 1994, it would be purchased by Larry Alther, who still owns it today. That year, fun fact, they also added in the Palace Restaurant, which is now known as the Haunted Hamburger. And I'm like, that sounds like somewhere Jessica and I would go. (laughs) I love hamburgers. Right? And it's also said to be the first restaurant to serve lunch and dinner with dependable hours of operation. Well, I mean, with standards that high, how could you ever live (laughs) up to them? Right. So, of course, since it was a dependable restaurant open when it's supposed to be, what happened? More people would come and check it out. Yay. Wow. (laughs) Who would have thought? 
So we're in the 90s, like I said. And at this point, they began their renovations and whatnot to rebuild it and get it ready for its debut, which was in 1996. Apparently, though, there was uh, some rushing going on when they were doing the outside of the building. They applied the colored veneer stucco too soon, so it ended up making the building look about 100 plus years old. And the articles were saying it just looked spooky. It looked like Frankenstein's house on the mountain. (laughs) And uh, that is not good for a hotel. (laughs) So, you know. It is what it is. But eventually, they did get to update, uh, do some updates. In 2003, they added a hotel garage so people would have places to park their cars. So that's nice. And then in 2006, they updated the outside. And I don't know. I looked at pictures. It looks looks nice. Looks like a nice little hotel. It's got little awnings and whatnot, you know. Yeah, it's like one of the top 25 nicest hotels in like the Southwest. Yeah, it looks great. Because when I looked up, because I was like, oh my God, what does this old picture look like? And it was either when it was built at a hospital or these new ones. So it's like they scr- like they're like, no, get rid of the Frankenstein pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, these don't exist. This was before the internet. We're fine. Yeah, please get this away. No, thank you. <laughs> and then, of course, as we always do at these locations, I went and checked out some stuff on the hotel for you guys. Uh, of course, can't travel right now, but you know, maybe one day in the future when things are semi back to normal, you might want to go there. So as of today, the hotel has about a 4.4 to a 4.6 rating on Google. That's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Right. For being in the middle of nowhere on top of a hill. Right. And I also got curious and decided to look at their rooms because, of course, we always look at the rooms. Now, they have like quite a few options as far as the room goes. So I'm not going to run through all of them. But I did grab some pricing on probably the four that most people would pick because a lot of them are like in-betweens, you know, like if you're half upgrade, half not. Yeah. So the regular standard room runs about $165 a night. The garden room, which is a little bit bigger, runs $230 a night. And that comes with a private sun porch. So, you know, that's nice. And then a little bit up if you want to be a little more bougie and treat yourself some. The one-bedroom suite is $3.95 a night, and that'll include a large living room area, the bedroom, and a sun porch as well, Ooh. right? It includes a microwave and refrigerator as well, so that's nice. Then the uh, the top of the top, if you are ultra bougie or, you know, having a treat yourself weekend like uh, Tom and Donna do on uh, Parks and Rec, you can stay at the Grand Suite for $5.25 a night. And the suite is approximately 2,000 square feet with two master bedrooms. Ooh. What? A living room. Oh. I'm not done. I'm not done. Full service kitchen, dining room, media room, and laundry facilities. Well, fuck. You got like an apartment. (laughs) I was going to say, like, honestly, like if it was my family and your family, that's not a bad price. Right? And you get all of that space. And there's more. And apparently, a formal entry greets you upon arrival. So that's cool. What? Yes. Okay. We're going. We're getting this room. We're staying there. <laughs> right? This needs to freaking happen. And yeah, you get a, like all kinds of cool stuff. And you can have up to six people in here. So we're under that number. So we're good. We're good. We can all go. Woohoo! And you can just check it out. You can take a look. You know, it looks like a nice little hotel. I thought it was pretty neat. But yeah, that's the rundown on Jerome and the 
short history on the hotel. There's really not much to it besides it was closed and then opened this day. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about the town a little bit, too, to give you guys a little bit more info on that. But uh, Jessica, please tell us about this spooky stuff because I am so ready because I also watched one of the things you watched. (laughs) Ghost Adventures. (laughs) Is anybody surprised at this point? (laughs) I mean, as much as I talk about how much, like, Zach is crazy and everything, I do love the show. Right? I know. Okay. So there's, like, a lot of random stuff that happens here. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go, like, as I go through it, I'll reference the Ghost Adventures episode because it like fits in some places doesn't fit in every place but fits in some places oh yeah so let's begin talking about the spooky stuff many guests and also hotel staff have seen a child about four or five years old running up and down the hall on the third floor and i say heard (laughs) not seen and they either hear the child laughing or crying so it's manic (gasps) yeah Oh, God. I don't want to hear no laughing child. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's worse. That's worse than the crying. Yeah. Ew. On the third floor and sometimes on the fourth floor, this one's going to be ready for this, they hear a newborn baby crying. (gasps) Oh, God. They smell the scent of baby powder and zinc oxide. And it's so loud. The baby's crying so loud that the guests will call down to the front desk and say, hey, there's a baby crying. Like, can someone, you know, tell them to quiet their kid? And most of the time they're like, well, what room is it coming in? And there's like the one next to me. And they're like, sir or ma'am, there's no one in the room next to you. And they go and look and there's no one in there. Some of the entities there like to kind of play little practical jokes. So like someone will walk into a room and start getting settled. They turn the light on like their nightstand. And it's on. And then they, like, leave the room and they come back and it's off. And they're like, what the hell? They go to turn it back on, but it's been unplugged. This will also happen with the TV. Oh, God. Yes. Shampoo bottles are seen rolling or flying across rooms. Ooh, ghosts like to throw shit. (laughs) (laughs) I yeet you. (laughs) Like, I really don't like shampoo. Just never the conditioner, just shampoo. Doors will open and close in rooms that are known to be vacant. Hmm. Another fun thing that happens in the rooms is guests will find their cell phones and camcorders in the middle of the bed, completely drained of battery. Oh. They didn't put it in the middle of the bed and it had charge and now it's in the middle of the bed dead. Down in the laundry room, and especially at the graveyard shift, if you're at the front desk, sometimes you can hear someone coughing and sneezing in the laundry room. Ghost got allergies. A ghost with allergies. And that shit's dusty. Like, when Zach and his crew go in, they're in, like, the boiler room, and they actually thought they were seeing shadows of stuff, and they realize it's just because it's so dirty in the boiler room and dusty that, like, their shadows were making it look more solid because of how much the dirt was. Gotcha. Also, shadows are seen in places where there is no one there to make shadows. That's fun. Right? So one shadow that is seen quite a lot or they think is seen is a maintenance man who worked for the hospital whose name is Claude Harvey. Now, we got to talk about our guy, Claude, for a minute. So he is found in the boiler room with the elevator on his head. Mm. I read in one place where it said they found him and he was quite dead. Yeah, yeah, you would be quite dead if an elevator crushes your head. Oh, my God. Right? He was found on April 3rd, 1935, and he was basically decapitated. Mm. 
because it was crushed off. Yeah. There is the theory slash rumor that he was supposedly murdered. That either A, he was murdered in this fashion, meaning that someone held him there and then did that, or they did it to cover up another murder. Because I don't think this guy had much family from what I can tell. And the United Verde Copper Company, who owned the hospital he worked for, basically said, no autopsy. Oh, okay. Super sus, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard that recently with the Chad Daybell case. No autopsy. She's fine. She just died. It's okay. Right. Look what's happening now. Mm. Right. So Claude is seen walking around on the staircases in the boiler room. It basically is like he's just working. Also, since it was a hospital, a lot of times people see what they think are doctors and nurses like walking around the hallways and on staircases. Because apparently the staircases and the hallways are the most active places in this building. But like Tara and I always love, this haunted hotel has a haunted pet. Yay, my favorite. They call it the spirit cat. The guests can hear the cat, like hear a cat meowing or hissing. Like they'll move and something will hiss and they're like, where the fuck is the cat? And there's no cat. They also can feel the cat like brush up against their legs. You know how like cats do that like figure eight between your legs? Like they feel it, but there's no cat. Mm, Ghost cat. Someone will be in their room and they'll hear like cat scratches at the door and they open the door and there's no cat. Does it on the walls. One of its favorite rooms is room 20 and it likes to jump up on the bed. Like, so you'll look at the bedding and it's like smooth. And then all of a sudden it looks like a cat jumped on the bed and then like curled up. Yeah. Which I would be so excited if I saw. I'd be like, spirit kitty. Ghost cat. Okay, I have to interrupt you for a second. Somebody, please draw a spookster ghost cat because this will be so cute. Please draw it. I'm going to call out Ashley. Yes. Well, as Tara mentioned earlier, in the 1980s, a maintenance, well, not really a maintenance man. They called him a maintenance man or whatever, but... He was, um, and I'm going to slaughter his name, so buckle in for this. (laughs) If you're an OG, just drink now, because that's what that's for. (laughs) Yeah. Chuggin. Chug, chug, chug. His name is Manoa Hafpure. Hafpure. It was very funny, because if you watch the... um... If you watch Zach, because the the guy's trying to say, he's like, it's Manoa, and he goes, Manila, like Manila wafer. Like the cookie. And I'm like, (laughs) first and foremost, Zach, it's Nilla Wafer, short for Vanilla Wafer. (laughs) I was folding laundry and I was like, what the fuck? I had to rewind. I'm like, what is he? What? What is happening? No, he says that. And I'm like, okay, first and foremost, his shit is on the travel channel. Like, you're telling me that nobody at the travel channel went, you know what we should do? Make Zach not look stupid. I mean, they're trying to give us the genuine footage. (laughs) No, someone, the cameraman, someone should have been like, it's Nilla Wafer, not Manila Wafer. It's Manila Folder. We still love you. But you're wrong. It's not a cookie. <laughs> if you eat Manila, it's not going to end nice for you. Anyway, but everyone called him Hoff because like, think about it. It's like the 80s. Mm-hmm. He hung himself from a large pipe in the engineering office, which is what he had turned into like his little apartment place. It was originally the engineering office. He had been talking with people in the town and like that he knew that he had noticed some paranormal activity happening in in the hotel or the building. And he had started to communicate with it. And then he hung himself. 
Now, this isn't in the Jerome Grand Hotel, but there's like a building that's kind of like just down the hill, which actually used to be another hospital. And it's on the Ghost Adventures episode. They do both of these buildings. There was a guy in that one. Right. He was same situation. He was like living on the property and he ended up killing himself by shooting himself. Same coincidence is that he had noticed like a woman in the place, like a spirit, and he'd been communicating with it. And then he killed himself. Oh, that's scary. Right. Now, I'm going to get back to the woman thing in a minute because I have a theory about this. So we're going to come back to this. Okay. Back at the hotel, room 32 is kind of known as the death room. Two people have killed themselves. One may, well, I don't know if one was actually a suicide, but he was in a wheelchair and he wheeled himself off the balcony. And another man, he was like an executive of some like corporation. He shot himself in the head in that room, committing suicide. That room also, the faucets turn on and off, the doors open and shut, and you can hear disembodied voices. Because the ground used to be a hospital, a lot of time they hear like disembodied voices and they talk like their patients or they hear like groanings or people crying out in pain. Sometimes they'll hear farmers or people talking about like essentially it's around like dying in that flu pandemic in like the 1900s. Mm-hmm. There's also a bearded miner that's seen walking the halls. He's just walking around. Hmm. Just, you know, killing time. Sometimes I think like these haunted places, are they just like actors and there's like a secret like Scooby-Doo wall like spin around hiding places? (laughs) Oh, man. Because also in there, some people like have to do double takes because they put like spooky statues and things in the hallways. So you're like, oh, shit, a ghost. And then you like touch it and you're like, oh, shit, it's a statue. (laughs) Orbs are seen a lot. You mentioned in the garden room, it'll be on the sources page, there is an orb of light that like starts in the garden room and comes in and like goes into the little living room and it like obviously is like darting places. Hmm. And like the guy is just walking. So it's interesting. And on Ghost Adventures, they capture a couple orbs. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about room 35 only because... And I was doing my research. I came across a TripAdvisor review and I was like, ooh, so Jordan CJ writes, my husband and I were staying in Sedona, which is like near that place, and decided to spend the night at the Jerome Hotel. We asked to stay in room 35. The hotel is very clean and the rooms are small but nice. I'm like, it's an old hotel. It's also a converted hospital. Like, calm yourself. Yeah, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's old. Room 35 is where the little boy is at. Now, here's the thing. Like, I couldn't find this anywhere else online that there was a little boy in a room. Hmm. Okay. Well, our experiences started around 9 p.m. and never stopped. Streams of light throughout the night. We were backed up to the rock cliff and the drapes were closed. My husband was awoken by something tapping him hard on the arm. I got the answer to the question when I asked Daniel how old he was. I don't know if Daniel is the kid's name or if Daniel is her husband's name. I'm thinking the child. Okay. We had a great time and we got a lot of pictures and evidence. This is a must-see if you're a paranormal person. Haunted hamburger was awesome. Have the giant piece of chocolate cake. Hell yes, I will, Jordan. Hell yes, I will. (laughs) Yes. So I thought it was interesting that, like, they asked a little boy how old he was. Yeah. Hmm. And he said eight. Hmm. Now we're going to come back and talk about the woman in white. Oh, yes. 
She was seen basically when the hospital first opened, too. Like, like when it was a hospital, she was seen. But I was kind of like, are you sure it's just not a nurse, <laughs> like, walking around? Because <laughs> she said to be dressed like a nurse. But after the hotel opened up, she was seen at the foot of the bed waving her fingers at people. Ooh. She's like, mm mm no, uh-oh. Sassy, bossy nurse. Ooh. When it was a hospital, she'd be seen on, like, the balconies. She's seen on, like, the hotel balconies as well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she was thought to be a nurse. But then all of a sudden, like, in the last few years, like, decades or so, like, within, like, the first 10 years of the hotel opening, she just disappeared. Mm. Which, here is my thought. They're like, she moved on. Now, the guy that we talked about that was in the other building that like shot himself uh-huh he had said he had been communicating with a woman i remember distinctly someone saying white so my thought is i wonder if she is a nurse she's an intelligent entity and realized she was not in a hospital anymore and then move down to the hospital that's down there because it was turned into like a clubhouse. And then it's just kind of this guy's like workshop. He's like building shit. My thought is, I wonder if she like was like, I'm not in a hospital anymore. And then left to go to the hospital because it still has like the ER and the morgue and like all of those are still in that other building. Right. And I'm wondering if she's the entity that the other guy talked to yeah interesting right my theory is that this is the same entity and that she's like that angel of death type of nurse Ooh, not a good entity to have around no that's my theory on the woman away there's a lot of like presences that are felt at the jerome hotel for the most part people will say that they're not afraid but I mean, it's very common that people end up sleeping on the couch in the lobby because they're too afraid to sleep in their room because of all the shenanigans happening and that there are some aggressive, angry feeling spirits. And you have to think about it like they're in a mining town. It was a rough life. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Hunger Games and <laughs> they're a mining town and like they all look really sad or like October Sky with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> We're not going down that trail today. (laughs) But, you know, it's like a rough life. And it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, like that paint my wagon lifestyle where it probably was a lot of boozing and drinking and messing with women. Mm -hmm. It probably left a lot of people angry. Yeah. When you have something like, I mean, we're going kind of through the same pandemic right now and people are angry. Like, you know, they're angry that they're dying. They're angry that they're stuck inside. So there's like a lot of animosity Mm -hmm. around that kind of thing. Yeah. So when you take that into account and you take into account that like 9,000 people died. That's so many. Yeah. That's so many. There's no way that if 9,000 people died, that the energy that gets trapped there isn't going to have some animosity. That's more people in the town I grew up in. It blows your mind, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot like there's a lot of photos out there of, you know, different entities and things happening. And I mean, it is one of the most haunted hotels out there. And I think it's why it might not be so well known is like it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the desert in Arizona. Right. So... There's like a certain type of person willing to drive through the deserts of Arizona (laughs) to get there. I might become one of them, though. I'm like really interested in going. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like a little apprehensive about staying the night now, uh, but maybe at least a visit. People stay like people do. And like if you go there and you stay there, it's a very safe hotel because to get to a room, you have to have a key to get onto the floors. 
Right. It's not like you're going to walk out of your hotel room and find some random person. Okay, I shouldn't say that because lots of paranormal investigators go there. And so, like, I was watching one, which was really annoying because, like, she whisper talked the whole time. She's like, the hotel is at full capacity. And, yeah, I'm like, why are you whispering? (laughs) Speak up, (laughs) ma'am. No one else is going to whisper. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, you can go. And if you stay at the hotel, you can basically go on every floor and do all of that stuff. Apparently, if you talk to the manager, I don't know if he's still there, but in 2017, he was still there. And this group, they're called Ghost Hunters, which I'm like, "Mm, okay, rip off. Mm -hmm. Trademarked. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was watching it and because I thought it was going to be like real Ghost Hunters. No, I was going to joke and be like, did they spell it with a Z to get off the trademark thing? But apparently not. No. Damn. They just full on ripped that. Okay. Right. They go up and they, you know, talk to the managers like, oh, yeah, I was on uh, Ghost Adventures with Zach. Yeah, yeah, I was on that. I, w- I went and yeah, I told them the story and they were like, yeah, do you think we could go see the boiler room? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm not supposed to let you, but I'll take you. And I'm like, motherfucker, he's going to put that on the Internet. Right. You know what you're doing. Right. And apparently the owner of the hotel doesn't like to talk about that it's haunted. And I'm like, I would so fucking lean into that. I'd be like, our shit is haunted. I'd have a sign that says, like, please don't antagonize our ghosts. They've lived here longer. Right. They've stayed longer. (laughs) Well, that's kind of like all the real big entities. There's like several like people who are like, I've gotten scratched or blah, blah, blah. But it's not like a ton of people will be like, this has happened. So. Right. Well, still very interesting. It is. It's a cool little historical spooky place for sure, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, that is going to wrap us up here today for our episode on the Jerome Grant Hotel. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something. And if by any chance anybody listening has ever went there, please let us know. We absolutely love when we get listener stories that are from topics we've talked about. That's always cool to follow up with. And uh, just going to plug listener stories. If you have one you would like to share with us, whether it be paranormal or true crime, please email that over to us at threespookgirls at gmail.com or feel free to DM us on our like page, Instagram, whatnot. We would love to hear your stories. We need to get a couple more for May. That would be great. But yeah, with that, we are going to just say bye for now and we'll see you on Thursday for a stabby. Bye. Bye. Bye.